Welcome to the Natural Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Whitfield-Cook. Join us as we interview expert clinicians, researchers and well-being experts from around the world and explore the evidence and application of complementary medicine in global healthcare. The following podcast is intended as professional information for integrated practitioners and as such must not be taken as medical advice. Patients are expressly directed to seek appropriate care from a suitably qualified practitioner. Hi everyone, thanks for joining us again today. Today we're chatting with Katie Barron, a naturopath on the New South Wales North Coast. And today we're going to be discussing physical examination in the new norm. That's post-COVID lockdown. Welcome to Natural Medicine Podcast, Katie. How are you going? Yeah, great. Thanks for having me. <laughs> it is my absolute pleasure, young lady. Um, getting sort of get, getting in touch with you on the back of your Australia whirlwind tour. It's fantastic to see you again. Yeah, fantastic to be here, all in one piece and raring to go, basically. <laughs> yeah. Now, now you and I first met at uh, Tammy Guest's NatX, and I interviewed you there about physical examination. That was four or five years ago now. Um, Feels like 100 years ago. Lots, yeah. lots changed. <laughs> it seems like a lifetime ago. So um, tell us first though we I normally like to do this just so that people can get to know you a bit a little bit about your background why do you like this topic of physical examination so much and tell us a little bit about your background as a naturopath what was it that highlighted this importance for you uh okay cool great questions um I uh, was, well, starting how I, I sort of fell into this, to be honest. Uh, I finished my degree. I started my degree at SCU at Lismore. Uh, and then I finished it in uh, Endeavour College, actually. I did the last part there. Um, and then I sort of went straight from, I finished in November, and I went straight into actually being a clinical student clinic um, assistant, straight back in the next semester and that was um it was an eye-opener I was just running around sort of assisting students but it was a it was a great mentorship actually under some really fantastic world-class naturopaths at the time so I felt very lucky to be doing that one of the things that I noticed in the student clinic was that a lot of the students weren't doing physical examination because they were feeling nervous about it that was a bit of a oh tick 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 moment hmm. and then years later I sort of went, I continued on and I was building my own private practice at the time as well and doing that as a bit of a side gig. Um, and I ended up lecturing that subject. I lectured that subject for about five years at Endeavour and did student um, supervision in the student clinic as well. And it was a real eye-opener because I teaching the subject, I found it was fantastic content, but it was super rushed. You did one semester of it and... Um, you know, off you go. And I noticed again that students weren't feeling very confident and they would kind of be really scared when they had me as their supervisor because I was the one pushing that. <laughs> so they'd be like, oh, no, not Katie. But, um, yeah, and, I, and it was so because I had so much exposure to it, it was a really normal part of my private practice. Yeah. I, it was just what I did. And it, uh, you know, it's a no-brainer when you do something. Do you know what yeah. I find in um interesting is is one word, but curious 
is how could anybody be scared of you? I thought that would have been a lark. People would have gone, oh, we're going to see Katie again today because <laughs> it would have been fun. It was really fun, but I, uh, to be honest, I'm a bit of a smiling assassin <laughs> as well. I just, I, not so much, not, I, oh God, I think I've been hard on myself. No, just more, it was like, I just had high standards. It was like, yeah. okay, guys, you're, you're final semester students. This is it. And then you're out in the real world. Let's get, let's get it. Let's get after it. But that's good, Katie, yeah. because it's all well and good to have fun and I'm, all for fun. I yeah. really, I am, as you know. But um, I think a lot of the times we lose sight of just how sacrosanct and what a privilege it is to be helping somebody who are very often they're in pain, discomfort, and it's mm -hmm. not uncommon. They're in such discomfort and pain that they cry. They have stress. You know, they are in panic, you know, they're, they're these real quite acute things um, because of their health conditions. And we have that, both the honour and the responsibility of taking that and chaperoning their health. So it's actually something that you really need to get your skill set up on. It's one of my big things is be safe. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you've hit the nail on the head with the whole idea of it being an absolute honour. And while that's one of the things that I used to say to people and the practitioners that I teach now, the qualified ones, but the students then and the practice now, is that if we get out of our head and stop being so fearful of, oh, what will they think and getting it wrong and rah, rah, which is all the ego, and we go back to the heart and we go, what is useful to this person in front of me, whether it's online or face-to-face, -face, is this going to be useful for this person? Mm. And all of a sudden, everything strips away because there's you diving deep into the reason you started doing this in the first place. Yeah. And that's to yeah. be useful and helpful. And then, of course, you get, and I've got to do a call out, you get your same colleagues that came from SCU and, my, oh, my God, you know, people that learned under Stephen Myers, they were different. They were just yeah. different. Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so just the yeah. caliber. The caliber's really high. And yeah. there was getting away with nothing. Yeah. No, <laughs> you, that's right. There was nowhere to hide. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when we're talking about physical examination in this scope, what exactly are we talking about? Uh, in our scope of practice, for sure. So um, just in terms of the neurological assessment, sure, we we uh, it's out of the scope, obviously, it's always out of scope to be diagnosing. We're never going to do that. And it's out of the scope to be very, very specific about things. But from a neurological point of view, we can test uh, cranial nerves. We can test um, reflexes, which is really important as well. And often these things aren't, for a start, um, because we have the beautiful gift of time in comparison to GPs, which I think the latest time that they're spending with their patients in Australia is just under 15 minutes, I think, you know, which is obviously a lot different to the time that we have with people, yeah. um, particularly in our initial consults. So one of the um, the things, so within our scope of practice, what, what we are doing is um, we are looking and assessing 
I mean, it's everything and anything. You, we are, we are, we can go by body systems. So we can look at them depending on the presentation, right? You are not going to do a full skeletal, musculoskeletal assessment of the shoulder joint when someone is presenting with abdominal issues. So yeah. what are you going to do? You're going to think about the presentation and you're going to think about that body system and you're going to do the, the techniques for that system. So you know, we are going to palpate, we can palpate spleens and abdomens and liver, the liver, we can check for lumps and bumps where observation is our best friend. Um, it's unbelievable, the things that you can see uh, in your online consultation as well. The game has 100% changed, but there is still so much that we can say, we can see. So uh, the way I think about physical examination is yes we're doing all the techniques and relevant to the uh the body system and the presentation and time um but also getting really au fait with red flags uh that can pop up and arise because you know it comes back to that responsibility of spending an hour with someone and um being able to take that red flag and what's really important here is being able to go, oh, God, I see something that's not right. <gasps> I'm not going to freak out. I don't need to know what exactly it is. I'm not diagnosing. All I need to know is something's not right. What do I do? Now, you have your options. You have your options of going, oh, that's a little bit off. I'm going to monitor it. Or really importantly, if you think, you're, you're concerned about it, you refer. Straight away, you refer. And then the third option is you refer and you start some sort of treatment as well. So, um, which is what a lot of us are doing in, indirectly. So um, that's that's sort of the really important thing. In terms of, I mean, it's, as you know, you've got you've got a uh, natural medicine background, Andrew, and you've got a conventional medicine background. So you know when it comes to red flags, it is literally impossible to know every single red flag. No. You're not going to ever. No one is. Zip. That's the end of that story. But what we do know is that if we have a really solid understanding of our anatomy and physiology and we know what's normal, then when we come across something that isn't, we can go, that's not quite right. Not sure what that is, but I feel super confident about using a common language with a GP, writing a great referral letter, and off you go with that. And and that does very many things. It doesn't just look after the acute situation or the emergent situation with the patient. Mm. It doesn't just help your personal relationship with that um, orthodox medical practitioner but indeed it raises the standard of our professions um and 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 this is somewhere where just this communication with as you say a common language can do so much for their trust in naturopathy or natural medicine as yeah. um the very many many professions that um that attend to that so can you take us through some examples though because i had one in my brain about this emergent situation that happened recently and I'll, I'll i'll explain what happened i i actually watched somebody mm. and what i thought was that this person was having an argument with their partner who was facing them and bent down 
this person was sitting on a chair. Yeah. Their partner was bent over, talking to them closely, and I saw this person's eyes right, right go like this. And I thought, oh, he's really fed up with her. They're having an argument. Yeah. Until what seemed like 10 seconds, it was probably two, I yeah. went, holy crap. <laughs> no, yeah. he's passed out. Yeah. <laughs> and thank God he was on the chair. Um, so he, he had had a, a seizure? No, he had had an episode, a medical oh. episode. and i'm thinking like i'm going through my ideological sieve which i love like it's it this has been the savior of me and if Mm. i can take us through it it's see that italian vase now has many new dried peas in it so it's the letter c Mm. sorry c is with your eyes but it's actually the letter c right that italian i vase v now in has many new is in addition from somebody dried peas in it and it basically takes you through the all of the possible causes of an etiology to any situation so it's um congenital that is trauma italian eye is inflammation which is broken up into infection and immune or autoimmune vase vascular now is neoplastic or neoplasms, has hormonal, many, musculoskeletal, new is nutrition. This wasn't in the original medical acronym. That's interesting. Nutrition wasn't in there. Um, New dried drugs, peas, psychiatry, psychiatric. Mm -hmm. In, first one is iatrogenic, we caused it. It yeah. last one is idiopathic. We have no idea. There's your you've always got a cover. I have no idea why that's happening. Yeah. So see that Italian vase now has many new dried peas in it. We'll put this acronym up in the show notes at the end. It yeah. saved me. So here's me going, going through that, going, what is yeah. the possible cause of this? Is it is he having a diabetic hypo? Is he having yeah. a stroke? Yeah. Epileptic seizure, heart yeah. attack, TIA. <laughs> what the hell's going on? But it's really interesting how how that background, how that knowledge of the ideological sieve saw me in good stead once and again. That's the, and that's the really interesting part is that you it was a neural it was a neural well it was it was like a neural pathway that was well tread for you to just go straight there bang it was a no brainer that's yeah. that's just what you did and um, I would really love that to be the case for our prax where it's people will present in front of you and all all straight away you're observing hair skin nails eyes teeth demeanor posture um symmetry of organs symmetry of shoulders all all of the things so it's all of the things before someone's even spoken a word, you have got all of these things that you've kind Absolutely. of got. And we just have to be cognizant of it. it we do this. We do this all day. We do it unconsciously, sub, uh, unconscious cues to conversation. But we don't know that we're doing it until we're actually mindful of what's going on here. Exactly. You know, I like 
I liken it to, because um, we've all been there, right? We've all been the student that that nervously kind of sits with the with the um or like new prac with the with the list of questions and we rattle them off and it's all very robotic. And then to the point where you become kind of pretty au fait with it and someone sits down and you're like, right, I need to ask you about this and that and rah, rah, rah and your case taking and questioning is a no brainer. Yeah. So all of this should be as well. Yep. You know, we should. And, and and there was something that I learned from, forgive me for saying this, Maria. Her name's Maria Forbes. Um, she was one of the old school naturopaths. She had a mentorship program. And the interview process was that she would give them the poem Ozymandias and ask them what it was about. So oh. cool. And basically what she was trying to pull out is, can this person think on their foot, on their feet, on their foot? <laughs> just on the one foot. <laughs> and Maria used to always say, if you haven't got some inkling of what's going on within 10 or 15 minutes, start again. Oh my God, I love that. That's so yeah. true. She's so cool. And it and you know what? I've done that. I have actually gone to that space where I've questioned and questioned, and I've come back and I've gone something that back. you just said um, has me back at zero. So, so Taking us through some examples. So obviously when, you know, we have to be safe, we have to talk about scope of practice. And um, mm -hmm. so for instance, internal examinations are out, but what about things like thyroid? How, how can we do that now? Face-to-face -face is relatively easy. What about when you're doing, um, you know, a, a Zoom consult, a Google meeting well, consult? Yeah. Um, well, you, you can look for, you can look for enlargement, obviously, via the the screen. You can also question as well. You can talk to them about um, about obviously all the thyroid presentation questions that you would normally ask. And also you can get them to um, drink the water, which you do face-to-face -face as well, and also get them to look up and you can look at the, at the neck there. You can get them to squash down and see how they feel doing that as well. It does. Is it hard to swallow when they have a yep. glass, a drink of water in front of you? Um, there's lots of things that you can do. And once again, if you have any kind of inkling of that, you send them on to get it checked you really do um and, yeah and, and i think part of it is that given that they're in a in another location there's only so much that you can do hey if you're palpating a thyroid in your face-to-face -face clinic obviously you know i'm going like this because it's my my yeah. neck Good but no you yeah you do it from um from behind and palpate the neck but you would you would it's it should be smooth right? It's sort of like a liver. It's It should be smooth. The minute any time, so there's general rules about things. So the minute you palpate anything and it's rough, the surface is rough or nodular, <laughs> ping, 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 red flag. So that's just, I, I, there's little things like that, that we can take all the way through our body systems and all the way through our um, examinations, regardless of the presentation or the organ. Yeah. What about limitations? Obviously, there's some limitations, like we just said, you know. Yeah. Um, but let's say things like, um, you know, measuring blood pressure distally. So you're asking somebody who may or may not be au fait with taking their own blood pressure. Mm -hmm. And obviously, they're going to have to have some sort of blood pressure machine. Yeah. 
um, you know, nowadays, 99% of the time, it's going to be a, a digital blood pressure monitor. Yes. But what limitations are there with regards to those? Once again, there's lots. There's lots of limitations. And again, we we work within our scope of practice and we do what is useful, the most useful for our patients. So in terms of blood pressure, blood pressure is, so, I know I'm preaching to the Pope talking to you, Andrew, but blood pressure is vital. It's not just a vital sign, which it is, obviously is, it's a vital sign. But and it, I mean, as the natural health practitioner, it tells us a lot about adrenal health. It tells us um, a lot about sort of thyroid and metabolism. It tells us about all sorts of Thing. So it, there isn't really very many people who shouldn't have their, their just about everyone should have their blood pressure uh, being monitored. So when in the in the online consultation, it's such a beautiful opportunity to educate educate about the importance of blood pressure for a star because what's going to happen then is when you tell your patient to go to the GP and get their blood pressure taken they're going to take you seriously because they're going to know why that's an important education point the next point is is that um in your face I'll preface this in your face-to-face consultation I am a absolute stickler for manual blood pressure because it's the most accurate so everyone in their face-to-face consult needs to be doing that because then you're being most useful to your client whereas and obviously in the online this is when we educate we educate about the importance we educate about the different types of blood pressure monitors that they could go out and pick up you can get some great ones even from amcal these days You can even just walk into your AMCAL and grab them and grab yours. Show them. Show them exactly where you want to put the cuff. Show them where their arm's meant to be. Explain to them the importance of chilling out and making sure that they don't test their blood pressure after they've had three coffees, the kids have been screaming, the dog's needs fed and, you know, all of the things. So, and the importance of doing all of this sort of stuff. You know what will happen? They'll actually do it because they know why. You have taken time and effort to educate them. They will love you mm-hmm. because you've gone that extra mile. And you have, they will write it down and they'll come with their little notebook the next time you see them online and tell and tell you all about what happened. And you'll be able to go, okay, great. Now I want you to go to your GP and I'd like to get that checked. Yeah. And the, just a couple of things that I do now is um, number one, with any blood pressure monitor, yes, they're freely available in most pharmacies. Mm-hmm. They're so cheap now. But um, just one little caveat, if you like. Um, I love these caveats that you and I do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, one of them is I always try and make sure that it, it looks at not just your heart rate, but your rhythm as well. So it can possibly pick up a flutter. Oh, the, the other one I was looking at was white coat syndrome. Now, I actually came yeah. across this the other day where yeah. somebody knew that they had white coat syndrome. And I said, that's all right. I'm wearing a blue shirt. You'll be fine. And, yeah. and nah, nah, their oh. BP was up. And I said, okay, I'm going to walk away. What I want you to do is I want you to zen out, go into your happy place, chill out. This is obviously during the day, so it's not going to be your basal one. So I said, when you're ready, I want you to press that blue button. There was a marked difference. And I, I went back and well, I was joking with him and I said, am I really that scary? <laughs> um, Not at all. <laughs> That's um, what it's all about. It's funny because when you were talking about the um, 
the white coat syndrome with the blood pressure and how you kind of got around that. It reminded me a lot. I know this is in the face-to-face consult of the uh, the people that just, if you go to do an abdominal assessment and they're so ticklish, you cannot touch their abdomen and they're just about leaping off the table. And one of the things you do is that you sort of sandwich their fingers between yours. And the weird thing, it takes it away because you it's the brain. You can't tickle yourself. You can't tickle yourself. And it's so, it, it's like every single time it works. Um, I've tried yeah. I've tried tickling myself and thankfully I've got multiple personalities. So I get one of the other personalities to tickle me. I'm laughing all over the place. So let's go into some other limitations. So uh, what about temperature? Uh, temperature is, well, temperature is 100%. Oh, my dog's barking. You can get around that. Once again, they it's education and you're teaching them how to take their temperature. You're teaching them when to take their temperature. You're teaching them how to take their temperature. It's it, it's such a seemingly simple thing for us, but you know, getting it right is the difference between having correct data and being able to track that properly. And uh, yeah, you'd be really surprised. And it's actually kind of no different really anyway to in your face-to-face. I mean, the number of people that will be sent away and told, okay, I want you to get this thermometer and I want you to do this, this and this because they're tracking for thyroid, they're tracking for fertility. So you're, Mm. you're teaching them to do it themselves anyway. Yep. How many people have tried to use a normal thermometer for fertility? (laughs) Oh, <laughs> it's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> what oh. about the old mercury thermometers versus uh, the ones that you stick under your tongue, but they're battery operated and there's an issue. Um, but the other one was um, the, the ear thermometers, the oral now, even uh, forward ones. Now back in yeah. my day, I remember, you know, they were just starting to come on the market and there was this real mistrust over how accurate they were. Now it's like, yeah, it's fine. Oh, the technology is incredible. Like, Mm. it's just incredible. It's the same with um, blood glucose monitoring, actually. Like, it's just, it's, it's, it's just mind blowing. It's like, you know, and again, really easy for everybody to access. I mean, we've got these epic patch continuous monitoring business. So you can see exactly what someone's eaten and how that affects them. It's yeah. so fun. Yeah, it's confronting. So fun. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, and the only sort of issue I've come across is, is um, on a couple of people, the, depending on if they sweat a lot in their day job, for instance, um, if they're working outside, athletes, um or if they're, you know, working in physical labor in like the building industry, for instance, and they knock the sensor off. So I get them to tape it on Um, and it tends to last longer, you know, by that second week, it tends to loosen a bit on a lot of people, but Mm. jeepers, what a useful tool. Wow. It's so incredible. It's Mm. so incredible. And the thing, okay. So the thing that I want to say about all of these things here is that we educate our client to do what they do we ask them to get certain things but in the real world there's always skewed results there's they always go out and they get you ask them to get something and they get the wrong thing so they just use that now this is where as the clinician we use our clinical judgment and if someone has used incorrectly 
or the incorrect equipment and come back and they've been tracking their data about different their temperature or their blood glucose or blood pressure, whatever it might be, and you've gone and everything looks fine, but you've already in your mind gone, I think that's right. Send them away to get send them away, get it checked, refer on, get it, get it checked. And once again, that comes back to that uh, writing a fantastic, concise, please, 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 please stick to one page uh, referral letter to the GP. Or- so we've gone through a few of the red flags. Um, can you take us through just a, maybe a list of some of the more common red flags that you've experienced and indeed you've taught to other people? Yeah. Oh God. Okay. So, I mean, there is our, uh, there's, there's some things that are hard and fast, right? And like blood pressure. So extremely high or extremely low. I will say, obviously we have that gray area where we go, well, okay, that's a little bit high. And according to your comfortability or your clinic protocols is, is what you do in that, in that sort of gray area. But, you know, then there's other people that go, oh, if I'm seeing anything over, you know, 150, I'm straight away, no, you need to go and you need to go and see someone else. That's, that's flat out. I mean, obviously taking into account other yeah. uh, issues We're, that might be there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, In and out of a chair and, mm, and you're on yeah. that That's really easy. Oh, to assist Great one. Perfect. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's so, so I, simple. Oh, it's it, and it's funny because sometimes as practitioners, we we like to jump A to the worst case scenario first, but also to the most complicated so we're straight away going, okay, this this person looks like they're presenting with this and what's the biochemical pathway for that and rah, 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 which is great. We need to do that. We need to know all of those things. But sometimes we just need to draw it back and what do we see first? And before we start breathlessly getting ahead of ourselves, it is unbelievably useful to your patient. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> slow and, down and I and think... I think one of the big things is as long as they're safe, their safety yeah. must be paramount. If you think they're yes. possibly unsafe, even possibly, yep, refer them. Absolutely, because you know what? Absolutely no skin off your nose. They're going to love you for going the extra mile. And, you know, you'd, it's that old saying, you'd rather be safe than sorry. That's so, yeah. In terms of like the red flag, okay, so the story, I, this was from my per, per private practice and I, look, I, I, it's actually one of my driving forces for why I do this now. And I think I, I come back to the story over and over again because it's so, um, it's so, it's so personal, and it, and it's all of the things, right? So, um, it's scope of practice, it's red flag. So I had a woman presenting to me, and one of the things that she said, um, she was, she was morbidly obese, and she was a woman in her sixties, and one of the things that she said, and she was very, and this is what I call the, um. It takes a while to hear this stuff because you need to build a rapport. So she said to me, oh, look, um, I I actually have this, and I think it's fungus, but I keep getting treated with uh, with by the doctor from a canister and things like that, and it's not getting better. Now, 
and it was on her labia. Now, one of the things, obviously, that is completely out of scope for us to inspect that area as a natural health practitioner, but... And but also there was a and there was a moment where I could have gone, well, just carry on with that. You've got someone else treating you, blah, blah, blah. Now I would never overstep my mark because there's scope at my scope of practice. There's also someone else treating that. But she's had like five rounds and absolutely nothing has changed. Yeah. Now that is a red flag. And I was confident enough, I was confident enough to know my scope and go. I can't do this for you, but what I can do is I can keep pushing for someone to check this out for you. Yeah. So I wrote letters and we kept going with it. And um, and she ended up, okay, so it was, it ended up being a very rare form of labia cancer. Oh, and okay. she very very rare and it so there was nothing fungal about it no one had even looked at it and um and so with the pushing and the pushing of this she thought she was going mad and as people do when things get overlooked and she ended up having a diagnosis and things things didn't the correct diagnosis and things and I ended up treating continuing to treat her for the things that we were seeing her for and um it didn't the prognosis was not good Mm. for her and it didn't uh it it's not a fairy tale ending but one of the things that that came out of that was that she actually said to me, thank you so much for being in my corner mm. because I, fo- I thought I was going mad and yeah. I finally got an answer. And her daughter, after um, she passed, ended up coming and seeing me. I, I ended up treating the whole family. But her mm. daughter came to see me and was just like, mum, you had her back. Mum felt so held by you. And... I okay, we, we're going to have yeah. to stop this soon because I'm going to start crying because I'm such a oh, sook. But oh, I've had I've had up. so many moments of that, and That's it's beautiful. gone from being it it now. As I said, it's my it's part of my why. Mm. It's part of my why. Yeah. Honestly, I feel like crying too, but it's part of my why because I felt confident to push. I felt yeah. confident to write that letter. I yeah. felt confident to have that conversation with her, not dive away from it and feel all embarrassed. There's two things to come from that. One is to send them back to be, as you say, have their back to say, no, she's complained of something. Treatment has continued without any change or positive change in symptoms. And certainly it's, it's either an incorrect diagnosis or it's a recalcitrant case in every case in which treatment must be reviewed. That's number one. The other one is, and this goes for both orthodox and natural medicine practitioners. I have seen both. Um, You are quite within your rights, patients, to have a robust conversation with any practitioner about your health. Yeah, They're the steward of your health. So if they're not, you are quite within your rights to seek another practitioner who Mm -hmm. will take responsibility for your health. And I, as I said, I've seen both sides of there. Yeah. Um, oh, look, absolutely. That's not doctor bashing in, in no, any way, shape, 
platform. It's just not yep. like I yep. love working side by side conventional medicine. There's a place for both. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it was, it. it's like a, I, that's, I'm so fierce about this. Mm. Come Good on, on let's do better. Yep. Let's yeah, do absolutely. better. Absolutely. Let's do the best we can. We're not perfect. No one is, but let's be useful. Is everything I'm asking, is every examination I'm doing, I come back to that lady and I'm like, where's my fierceness now? Like, what do I need? Like to be a fierce advocate. Love it. Yes. Um, and and like I, I now tell any students that I meet, um, you know, I've met a few who are learning and they'll just wander in to where I'm working and and we'll strike up a conversation. And I'll say, you know what? Don't be a good naturopath. Be a brilliant one. Oh my God. Yeah. And by and you know how you do that? You just do it. You put your ego aside. You risk looking silly. You don't care if you if you get it wrong. And when I say get it wrong, I don't mean working out of scope. I don't mean doing unsafe practices. Mm. I mean sending that letter because you sleep at night. But you have been great. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I've often said, I said, I have no problem in me being wrong. I'm wrong all the time. Ask my oh, wife. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I, what I I don't have a problem in being wrong. Yeah. Um, sending you away for further testing and being wrong. I got no problem with that. Yeah. I would be absolutely devastated if I did nothing and I was right. Oh. And I think I actually think about that with this woman. Mm -hmm. I think about my I was upset enough. Imagine if I hadn't pushed. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Imagine if I had just gone, oh God, that's a bit of a bit of a funny situation. I might look a bit silly. I might word it wrong. It's beautiful. I, 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 I love your fierceness. Katie, where can we learn more? You can uh, you can learn from my library. So uh, basically in 2000 and when did the world fall apart? <laughs> Cast my mind back. Um, yeah, so 2020, I, I put together all of the trainings online um, because what, what I realized, well, 2019 I did actually, and then 2020 I revised it because what I realized was that um people are online <laughs> and I mean they kind of always were so to be honest it's it's given COVID has um given me a depth to my practice that is quite unbelievable actually in my offerings so um yeah and I've just revised this library and it is I was going to call it a course. Originally, it was called a course, but um, it's just not. It is a compendium. It is, it is a library. It's got over, I think there's like 85 at the moment, training videos for every technique. So there's technique and there's theory video. So you learn, first of all, you learn what how to do every technique, and then you learn why you're doing it. Remember when we talk about if we know what's normal, we can... Um, kind of see what's not and uh so yeah so you'll see it all there and I've got research articles I've got some really fun um interviews with experts that you know I've asked them a whole lot of questions about their physical examinations and then I've asked some really cool questions on the spot questions about their favorite patients and experiences which are like oh, some of them will make you laugh 
Some of them will make you cry. Some of them will make you kind of literally spit your drink out laughing. <laughs> so that's good. But um, yeah, so all jokes aside, it is, it's all there, everything. When I was creating this library, the question that I kept asking myself over and over again is, is this useful? Um, I, like I, I've got to say, and can I admit something, Katie? Go on. When I first interviewed you, yeah. I thought, here's a lovely smiley lady. Um, she can't be that competent. How misogynistic <laughs> of me. How, wow. Like what's what really impresses me is you go, yeah, yeah, let's have some fun. But listen. And you really have this competence. So it's not just like, oh, yeah, that'll do. You really want to have the naturopathic professions held in high regard and your courses, your work engenders nothing less than that. So I really take my hat off to you for what you've done and what you've taught me. Simple stuff that can be very powerful, little Mm. hints and tips of observance of examination and things like that you've done a very good job you've opened my mind young lady well done <laughs> that's good that's good I'm pleased that's I'm gonna take I'm gonna I'm gonna take that as a compliment <laughs> <laughs> and ignore the and ignore the prior <laughs> well I did I like I I actually beat myself up after our first interview because I was like I was like you know physical examination come on and then I'll always remember in that first interview, I went, this this woman's got it going on. She knows what she's doing. Like, well, I, I think remember. that's the whole concept of being the smiling assassin. People sort of think <laughs> that I'm really laid back and then I'm like, right, let's do this. That, well, that's exactly right. Oh, <laughs> yeah. so well done to you, young lady. Well done. Thank you. Well, I think I think we can settle the nervous system. And we can have we can have a baseline of because when things are fun, we are receptive. We are ready to learn rather than we all know this with the mm-hmm. nervous system activation. And from there, we can layer in learning of all of the things, but we can also layer in motivation and that fierceness of why we're doing it. Is this useful? And you'll notice I use the word useful all the way through with because I want practitioners to do that too. Stop going through the motions, switch on, and be useful. <laughs> Katie Barron, we look forward to learning so much more from you in the future because I know you won't rest. Things will change. More things come online. More things come become available to us, which can help our patients. And I know that you'll be at the forefront of sharing these with your, your clients and your patients. Yeah, I'm so, I'm so excited. It's a it's a really amazing opportunity we have at the moment to connect with people and and serve them. And thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Now, Katie has organised something very special for you. She's organised a special discount for you at a whopping 56% off full retail value. Now, that includes full lifetime access. That includes all upgrades, so it's fully evergreen. And you'll be able to access special discounts for future events and workshops as well, which are quite exclusive. I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. Bye for now.